welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. All right, all right. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to a Knock On Podcast. I'm sitting with a legend once again. This is back-to-back. Last week, I was with Pete Shepley, pretty much an industry icon. Now, I'm with Jay, the Outtech master. <laughs> how well, long I don't know been, about how, that. How long, how long has Outtech been in the archery industry? Since 1987. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's when we incorporated. Dude. Yeah, long time. Man. Seriously? Did, yeah. Who like who was the very first the nucleus? Well, I, you know, literally, I was getting out of college, and I don't know if I told you, but I started my career at PSC. Did and I not know for, that. I that worked for so Pete awesome. for like three three years, almost four years, and then left and went to work at Easton. But uh, I grew up as an archery brat. You know, it's all I know. I don't know what I would do, honestly, if I didn't <laughs> play with bows and arrows. You know, and I, I just... When did you start at archery? Or at Easton? Uh, gosh, um, early 90s. Well, they were just in the process. A, a gentleman by the name of Joe Johnson bought... I was with him um, in St. Louis with Earl Hoyt in Ann Hoyt oh, when they gosh. bought the company. We actually went from there to um, New York to... Um, tournament here at Watkins Glen and oh it was yeah crazy wow yeah and, and nationals uh outdoor nationals and there's a actually a bar there where Joe actually shot an arrow in the arrow hit a um, horn and it actually shattered across the, the bar but uh there's a bar there that's famous <laughs> it's famous it's got like thousands and thousands of arrows that are shot over the bar uh up there where they used to hold the nationals a long time ago that is awesome pretty, pretty crazy but that I'm, is awesome Pretty much an archery brat, John. In in uh, so was PSC. It was in Illinois then. Was it still? Yeah, they were just they were just moving from Illinois out to, to Arizona. Uh, and Michelle Ragsdale, uh, Terry Ragsdale, Toby, all those guys. Uh, and just you were there in the heyday. Icon. I mean, um, that's like Gold Beach during the Schwarzenegger era, right? It it really is, bud. Gosh, it really is. I've I've just lived a blessed life in. I mean, I see what you've done with Knock On in your career and how you've gone from a shooter and an innovator to what you've created with Knock On Nation. I mean, my God, it's amazing. And now we're working together with PSC, which is crazy. I'm so excited and pumped. That is cool. It's funny how things, like, go full circle because the first bow that I ever had bought for me or bought for I, – well, I didn't buy it for myself. I was too young, but my dad bought me – an old, I don't even know what it was. It was back in like the, I don't know, trying to think what it was even called. Could have been an Allen or a, or no, it was a, P- it was oh, a PSC. PSC. Yeah, laser, it was a P- laser Magnum. They have laser Magnums. Steel cables. I remember yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I'm, trying Swages, to, yep. I'm trying to figure out what it was. Um, but I just remember, I remember so many things vividly about people that were cool shooting like the PSE sites where the, the pins weren't just a solid steel pin. Like if it had, remember those like yeah, those, yeah, those yep. crosshair things? Might have been were, a citation. There was a citation, which was a target <laughs> bow way back then, and they brought that name back yeah. now, which is crazy. There was so many things that I remember looking at it thinking like, oh, my gosh, that looks so next level. And a lot of those are still in Pete's office like you know he has this timeline of bows laying on his floor but they really were at least for me in my area PSC was very big they were kind of what you wanted to have if you didn't if you couldn't afford it PSE had something at the time that you envied you know well Pete started um I'm really dating myself which isn't good because I'm 60 but the rope rope spike releases with multicolored yeah. a rope is a yeah. rope that wrapped around and you'd knock yourself in the face with them. And, <laughs> but really, it was the uh, designer of the back tension style shooting, which yeah. is today still 
Yeah, because technically it was like a spike back then, yeah. right? Yeah, with a rope or on it. Or now they call it a spike, you know, where it's just, it's pretty much a solid, if you can imagine, a too smooth where the hook would never pivot on the moon. It would just be a solid hook with that, with a rope that went from one side of the release around your string onto that hook, and you would rotate it enough to where the hook would just, or the hook would you know, let the string slip off of it. Yep, and if it was raining out, it would come off of there <laughs> a lot faster and you'd hit yourself in the face again. But I'm, you know, it's funny, um, and thank you for having me, but when I look at Pete Shepley and PSE, um, the heart, I think of the heart of archery and his commitment to the sport, his love of the sport of archery and making it better. And he's been there my entire life. I mean, yeah. this is back in the 20s when... Uh, you know, when I was 18, 20 years old shooting PSE and now I'm 60 and the brand is still alive and thriving and, and probably just more exciting with some of the new launches. The bow shoot, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's just more that went into, I mean, I don't like to have a podcast where it's very one brand specific because sure. especially this year, sure. honestly, hats off. Um, Prime, Matthews. We brought oh, out great products this year. They're all good. Yeah. They really are. They're all, they're all really good products. But for me and what I've essentially dedicated my life to, to be able to work with, you know, really one of the last living legends, right? Because it's like, you know, Earl Hoyt's gone. Fred Bear's gone. Yeah. Joe uh, Johnson Tom Jennings. Yeah, yeah. Tom, Tom Jennings, Jennings is gone. Yep. Um, and then even, you know, even someone like, Jim Easton just not really involved anymore, you know, to where luckily I was fortunate um, in the mid 2000s to um, Jim actually made some appearances at some world championships where I was able to get a medal from Jim, um, which was for me really cool because I'd hate to, Man. you know, to come in late to where you've never had like one of these pioneers to, you know, what you truly love. It's a, a lot like people that are really in MMA and jujitsu right now. Yeah, they're yeah. really fortunate that like, uh, there's several Gracie's that are, you know, which were pioneers to the very first UFCs that are still very active yeah. and working with people yeah. and doing seminars and shops. But at some point, like there's just going to be these myths of, I remember when, he came and worked here and they're not around anymore. And people are just going to talk about what was that like? Pete is still that person to where, you know, when I sat down and did a podcast with him, it's just so interesting to, to listen to these things. One of the people I've never had on the podcast, which I'd love to, um, is Jay bars because uh, Jay, what an awesome guy. Well, when you started Easton, was Jay there then? He was. In fact, Jay and I were shooting in Grand Ledge, Michigan. He was getting ready for an Olympic qualifier shoot, and we were at a Holiday Inn. And within the city limits, you weren't allowed to shoot a bow. Of course, we didn't know that. <laughs> and and uh, we were shooting like, oh, 100 yards, and he's out there with his recurve. Of course, I'm shooting a compound. And all of a sudden, we turned and looked, and I said, uh, we've got a company here. There's a state police are out there. <laughs> and, of course, me being a salesman, John, I went over there, and I said, dude, that's an Olympic archer. And they're like, no way. And so all of a sudden, <laughs> of we had half the did. police force there. And, watching. And, oh, and then the, the fire truck showed up, and we probably had 30 people watching Jay shoot. And, man, they quickly forgot about all the, the, the laws and the rules for Grand Ledge, Michigan, but yep. Anderson Archery back then. That was a long time ago. That's awesome. But, yeah. When I first started um, shooting 3D, it's just as like a runny-nosed amateur. You know, I remember – the Stricklands were very involved then with, like, a lot of the shoots. You know, Shirley was doing all the kids' events, and Tim was there oh. coaching. You know, he was coaching, like, Rod, and and Butch came to some, but I think he I – th I know he worked with um, Denise at the time. And, Denise Parker, and, uh, yeah. Jack Wallace early. Yep. Um, so, like, those types of people and Jay Bars were, uh, you know – People were, to me, they almost didn't seem real because they were, you know, you know, they were like early legends of this, 
of this sport. Man, I got to travel in Europe with my wife and Shirley Strickland, Tim Strickland, Randy Walk, Freddie Trancoso. There was six or eight of us that went and did a coaching seminar throughout Europe and Where? Germany. We were in Germany. We went to France. Uh, we were in Amsterdam with Joe Johnson from yeah. Easton. And, um, was J- was it JVD back then? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was. Yeah, yeah it was. Was it Johan's yeah. dad? I, you know, I think it was. Oh I think my it was. Goodness. But, but I, you talk about sitting in a seminar over and over and over again, listening to to these guys um, that are just legends. I mean, just uh, you know, Tim Strickland and and about shooting a bow and and how to do that and how you aim a bow. You know, I. At that time, I just shot because I loved archery. But I came back from that seminar, and my scores went way up because I learned not to focus on the pin and focus on the, you know, just how I aimed. It was did, totally different. Did, Tim taught me that. Did Tim teach that? Yeah, he really did. He big That's time. That's insane. It's something because that's on yeah, your podcast. Yeah, that's me, I've but not because, yeah. not because someone drilled that into my head so much of – Honestly, so much of what I've learned wasn't from people offering it to me. Like, because Tim Strickland worked with people who, from my knowledge, when he worked with them, he was, you know, he was a paid coach. He was, you know, making commission off their winnings, right? Denise Parker. And, I mean, he worked with a lot of cool people. Yeah. Yeah. Great people. But, like, someone like, um, you know, Lanny Basham. Oh, yeah. Like back when uh, Hopkins was just dominating yep. everything, like Curtis only worked with Jeff, right? Like there were so many of these coaches. Um, Ulmer, he would give me a nugget, you know, but he would never give me no, the Randy, whole box. Randy was of so competitive. Yeah. I, you know, I've gotten to really love Randy in his, as he's gotten older, but early on when he was a competitor, he was a – he was tough, man. He I was like Tiger Tiger Woods. Yeah, I love that about him. Yeah, it's I what agree. made him sharp. Oh. Like, you know, I honestly I now that I'm, you know, an owner of two dogs, I kind of look at <laughs> I feel like I was just a puppy to Randy where he would sit there and eat a box of chicken nuggets, but he would throw me one nugget at the end because he knew I had waited there and yep. watched him and yep. watched him and watched him and watched him. And he's just like, all right, I'm going to give him something. You know, I got to, I got to tell you this. Um, I was the eighth member of the IBO, which we started oh, 3d archery. Dang. And, and um, that's you know, amazing. It, it, was, it was funny. We worked with McKinsey targets and uh, Jen from Delta targets was involved too back then. But um, I remember setting up some of the ranges, and we were in Anniston, Alabama, at a World Championships for the IBO, and and it, he was out there on the range, and he had a pouch, and it was filled with different releases. Yeah, and I'm like, Rand, Randy, pouch. Randy, what what are you doing there? I said, he said, well, I got all my releases in there. I said, well, how many releases does a man need? And he goes, all well, they're them. all different. <laughs> I said, what do you mean you're all different? I said, well, how do you know? He goes, well, that's that's the magic. Yeah. Right, I don't know. Yeah, he goes. One will go off really quick. One, will, I have to pull hard. I, and it was just the style, and he was aiming. And but these people are iconic in my mind, and I just hope we can keep them alive. And and I mean, John, <laughs> what you've done and where you've taken your career uh, is amazing. And you're going to keep all these things going, right, with your podcasts and everything you're doing, but it's a love of the sport of archery. You know, yeah. It really is. I mean, for sure. Yeah. You know, and what's so cool is certain things that I've, certain things that I do certainly aren't like new, um, where people say, Oh, well, so-and-so did that. Correct. You know, it worked. It makes archery better. When Randy shot all those releases, what it forced him to do was, it forced him to be patient with not every shot has to go off at the same time. So like part of the beauty of a silverback or a backstrap is if your technique changes, you may have to pull harder on it. If you're breaking down in one point or if you're the rocker position of your hand is different then it changes leverage of hook on the loop which is going to change how hard you feel like you need to pull um so many of these things 
you know, learning that patience of just pulling and yeah, it might go in three seconds, it might go in five. Those actually, they nurture the they nurture the seed that that grows the best archers that I've ever seen are the ones that regardless of the release or regardless of the setup someone puts in their hands, even if it doesn't fit them, their patience to shot activation is the same regardless of how that formula is put to be. And the ones that are that way, which for Randy, even though he shot a hinge release, he got to the point where he started to anticipate a hinge yes. release. So he had to have multiple hinge releases. Then he had to have one that wouldn't fire so that he was still being held accountable. So having inconsistency in your ability to be patient with that release is a freaking critical component to what really separates the cream from the crop. I got to tell you this. I've got a, a director of sales for me. His name's Nick French. He called me back, I believe, uh, late December, uh, early January. He goes, oh, my God, Jay. He goes, I know you're a release aficionado. You worked with Carter <laughs> in the early days with Jerry Carter and, and uh, Trueball and some of the great release manufacturers. He goes, I got this new backstrap. He goes, you just need to go buy one. I'm like, I said, explain it to me. He goes, well, watch, watch John Dugley. Watch the introduction on this thing. So I watched it, got online, and I was at my house in Asheville, North Carolina, and we have a log home down there. And I'm, my wife came in. She goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm trying to buy a release. And she's like yelling at me. And I'm like, send it <laughs> away. And it's out of stock, <laughs> out of stock. She goes, she goes, don't you have like a, a, a giant tub full of releases? I'm like, well, yeah, I do, but this one's different. She goes, oh, yeah, right, and she walked out of the room. But I really think what you're doing with that backstrap is you're taking what Randy Almer and some of the guys that started this sport from an accuracy standpoint and the back tension and pulling through a shot, and you're able to incorporate it in a wrist strap release with a BOA system, and I instantly think you're making the most innovative, you've introduced the most innovative uh, release that we've seen in the last 20 years in the archery industry. I it's think you good, got something special. It's good for archery. And this, yeah, the bummer part is, you know, they come, they sell out, they come, they sell out. Everyone should know we're a hundred, like we're not, not ordering enough. We're ordering. Well, they're precision made, right? Yeah. We're in, ordering a scary amount, like any type of product that we, that we really focus on is we really we really feel like the craftsmanship is there, which is you well, know. Well, you're seeing, I'm sure, every release. I know you well that enough. for sure. Yeah, it, it's gonna yeah. It, it's not gonna go out of this building unless it's perfect. Yeah, but man, what you're doing with that release, I think, is revolutionary because a lot of guys, you know, they in many cases are shooting too long a draw length, and they get on that trigger and they think it's a gun trigger, and they just tap it, and you know, they'll shoot five arrows good, and then you know, three bad and just very inconsistent. And if they just learn to pull and, you know, get inside their finger and, and just keep pulling, um, it's magical. Their groups will just get sucked in. So What did Tim coach from that aspect? Um, Tim was there on, on uh, shooting techniques and in, in teaching how to shoot a compound bow because we were really working with the Olympic coaches uh, from all the different countries trying to get the – the uh, the attitude up on compound bows. That's what, what Joe and, 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 uh, and Easton family wanted to do. And um, so Freddie was teaching um, certain aspects. I was teaching compound bow tuning because at that point I was yeah. working with Hoyt and, and playing around with bows. And we had just, I think we were still dealing with cables. We, we didn't even have the aim system yet, which oh, dang. that was, that was pre aim system. So it was cables. Was there high wedges. speed yet? Not well. Overdraws, man. We were shooting twenty-two inch overdraws on on. What? Yeah. Oh yeah. These we we put these bows. I, I um, you know, I remember a story with Joe Johnson. We were at a sales meeting, Park City, Utah, in his garage. That's how small Easton was at the time. 
Um, and and I'm like, we you're need saying to... you'd shoot a 22 inch arrow? Yeah, like the, that's how big the overdraw would be. Is yeah, the arrow would come back, or the overdraw would come back behind, and your rest would sit back here. And and talk about speed. I mean, it was amazing. Yeah. But talk about critical. If you torqued your right, I mean, you can oh, imagine, yeah. you know, what would happen. But uh, for a while, a though, it was a big deal. There was a lot of guys shooting overdraws. Burley and then technology Hall. has got yeah. into it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Burley Hall. <laughs> uh, you know, there's a whole whole group of guys that, uh, you know, uh, that, that shot that. And then um, High Country came into the market and dominated 3D archery for a lot of years. With people like Burley Hall, um, yeah, oh yeah, the Chapel Brothers. I mean, they were, they're who people mentored don't... me. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, no I couldn't. Way. I couldn't rent a hotel room, so I always roomed in Sonny and Randy's. I slept on the floor in Sonny and Randy's room. So, Randy and Sonny are the ones who talked me into going pro because I shot at a tournament in Virginia with Randy and and Sonny like in the winter, and I remember um, I went out. I still have the scorecard. We went out and shot, I think we shot a 20-target indoor IBO 3D, and I shot 32 up on this. And I was an amateur at the time, and I was shooting Ulmer's Revenger that he gave oh, me. Yeah. And it was right when I learned to shoot it good. And I remember I, I shot that last target, and I looked at that scorecard, and I beat Randy and Sonny. And I remember Randy going, Kid, you need to go pro. And I remember, you know, because they called me the they kid. They were just such gentlemen. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I remember IBO and we, us having problems with targets and tournaments and pass-throughs and all the issues. Were, and they were always very level-headed and, and um, so professional. I mean, when you go back and look at some of those guys, um, you couldn't beat them. I mean, no. Randy Ulmer and, and the Chapels and, and – my God, those guys were, I helped put together a team. I can't even think of Todd Herman, um, you know, Scott Schultz, and I can't think of the oh other gosh. gentleman names. And, and we actually won the IBO with Hoyt one yeah. year, and we did, a, we did a poster with them in a tux. That's how big of a deal it was to beat, to be, to beat those boys. And, and, cause you couldn't were they PSE at the time still? Um, no, actually, they had made the move to high country. Oh, they, they, gosh. Yeah, they were at high country at the time. Uh, that's, that's how early crazy. that was, but but I um, shot for high country when I shot with the chapels. <laughs> I was shooting a high country, and even though the bows had came a long way, the bow that I shot, Randy gave me, and it was an original Supreme. Oh my lord! And so, you know, my rookie year when I when I um, when I podiumed at the world championship, or uh, sorry, my would have been I was in the open class, but I ended up making the podium at the world championship and I was shooting an original Supreme, like metal flake silver and blue, and it was one of the Chapel Brothers' first bows. Wow. And then they talked me in to um changing to Matthews because I had a high country blow up at the ASA classic. I had a high country blow up and then uh, Sonny ended up giving me one of his Matthews on his rookie year with Matthews, and that's what I shot in the shoot-off, which ended up, like, getting me... The Chapel Brothers are who vouched for me with Joel Maxfield and said, this kid's going to turn... This kid's going to go into his rookie year. You Like, you need to get this guy. Well, I can honestly tell you, you helped make Matthews. I mean, no, your shooting career... Definitely uh, not. Dude, I, definitely I can tell not. you, I, I, I think you'd be surprised... If you went back and asked some of the people over time, maybe some um, of the dealers. I mean, I really, I loved being a rep. I yeah. loved being a rep. Um, but there were some great shooters. I mean, we, we, I was fortunate to win two national championships um, with like Colin Booth and Mike yeah. Anderson and, yeah. and Jeff Hopkins and yep. and well before that. So the. Did you look up at any of the pictures up on the upper st upstairs of the I school? I did. I did. I want to. I'll go. Did up you there see tonight. Randy? Yeah. Yeah. So like, yeah. me, Randy Chapel, Shannon Cottle, and Ken oh, Likens. Shannon Cottle. What a gentleman, man. Yeah. The four of us won thirteen out of fourteen professional team events yeah. in in that year. I remember that. We destroyed everybody. everybody. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it it was yeah. total domination that year, um, and I don't think. 
Hoyt didn't win until like until the year of the Cam and Half. When, yeah. When yeah. Um, yeah. When Nathan and yep. I don't know, yep. remember who all was on there. Nathan and Eric. Um, but yeah, it was so cool. Now I will tell you, Tim Strickland, uh, and I was a nobody. You know, I was I was an open B shooter, um, and Tim. But I knew I actually got along really well with Rod White. And, you oh know, my God! And Rod sold me my farm. I don't know if I told Rod you that. Rod White? No way. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Rod worked. Rod and I worked together at Matthews. You know, when um, when I was there, and you know, through the whole creation of like the sure. NAS program sure. and all that stuff. Sure. But um, so obviously Tim Strickland was Rod's coach. So Rod and I hung out a lot. Um, at 3D's because we were both very, very close to Steve Gibbs. So, yep. um, God bless him. Yeah. I had a anger issue, uh, anger management. Oh my gosh. I had an anger management issue. Uh, so what? yeah, if like, if I blew it at a shoot or a target, you know, a 30 inch stabilizer was just so easy to hammer toss through the woods. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> I remember one time I I just missed a shoot off and I f- pulled these freaking arrows out of the target and I was carrying them back and I was just just boiling. And I remember I just had all these freaking arrows and I just freaking had this wad of arrows and I just snapped them over the top of my knee. And uh, and I didn't think anyone was looking and Tim Strickland came up to me Uh-oh. and he said. Uh, you know, he said, you you have the potential to be a great shooter. But he said, until you learn that once an arrow leaves the bow, you can never get it back. And he said, the, the only arrow you have control on are the ones that are still in your quiver. And I know people listening to this podcast have heard me talked about that previously. And... That statement completely changed my life in archery. Like, Tim, if if you're listening by chance, which we haven't seen each other in a long time, that statement, like, 100% put me at this table right now because I was able to, to make a bad shot and learn to let it go because of that statement. It, it, it's amazing because I think Tim had that effect John on a lot of people and, and, um, he just had his calm way of, of, and he wouldn't waste time with you if it, he just wouldn't, uh, if you weren't important to him and, and Shirley did so much back in those days, um, all the booths that we put up, and gosh, it's crazy, but it was so much fun. I mean, it was like a giant family. And, uh, honestly, I, I've missed that here in the last five or six years, and I'm excited to get back into it. I'm going to do some of these new shoots that are coming up, man. Guys climbing mountains and shooting bows and arrows. I <laughs> You're going to love the tax. Yeah, yeah You're it's, gonna love it's, that. it's pretty cool. My guys are pumped up about it. But, uh, you know, if you guys out there haven't done that, you, sh- you need to check it out, right? I think they're sold out, most of them, aren't they? Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah they sell fast. They sell fast. It's the new version of having fun shooting a bow and, 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 and you know, just enjoying enjoying what it's all about, right? The whole lifestyle. It's Pretty crazy. Somewhere in my, somewhere I like have like a closet with old plaques and trophies or whatever. And I know somewhere I have an Easton Academy or an Easton University plaque. Yeah. That is like that Tim and Shirley, because they would travel to different spots. And I remember like going to this thing and learning about how to build arrows back in like early, early 90s. And it was. Like it was a big deal. It was you a roadshow, yeah, and and it was an honor to be part of those. Um, I helped set a bunch of those up for Shirley and Tim with different retailers that had them throughout the country. But uh, and you want to get, and Tim was very matter of fact about how to do certain things. And did and, Tim uh, have a military background? I've never been able to talk to him, but I always felt like he could be a marine. <laughs> you know, I think he did because <laughs> I, I remember him bossing us around when we were in Europe together. Uh, and, and, you know, surely his haircut for sure is absolutely like right out of a, like a small town barbershop. It's high and tight, but you know, it's, it's, 
I still think archery is alive and well and and bow hunting is I mean it's just thriving right now guys wanting to travel and go on trips it's it's um it's amazing I a lot of guys out there putting down their rifles and and uh picking up their bows because they've learned how to shoot right they've learned how to shoot from your podcast and teaching them how and you know the message that that Tim conveyed to you you've actually passed that on in different ways to a lot of bow hunters out there because when you make a shot on an animal and it's a bad one because we've all done that yep. I mean if you haven't you're you're probably lying right but you have a, an opportunity to make a second shot bear down focus and and make it a good one and, and try not to bring the emotions in but uh, I don't know it's just pretty incredible yeah I, you know people obviously ask you all the time especially with people like us that travel a lot well what do you do you know it's such an awkward question in a way it's awkward right because obviously when you say well i do archery people are gonna be like uh and you know but i feel like if if archery like there's an equation archery bliss a b you know yeah AB equals C squared. Archery bliss is a combination between chaos and calm. There's like this, you know, there there has there's this like perfect well medium yeah. where you have to be the best days you're just in this calm, you know, calm zen like state where you're in a flow state and it's just so amazing to be there. But you also need the chaos of like pulling back this thing that's that takes strength. Yep. But then relax everything and fight a fl- you know fight a float or do you know you're like using strength to stabilize while trying to not stabilize. And when it's all done right it just um it, it, it ju- it's, it's just balance it's part of your life and i gotta tell you going back five six years ago i had a pretty serious back surgery i'm i'm fused from my l5 up to l3 and uh the, the surgeon out of the cleveland clinic was um dr kepler he's like well what do you need to do and i said whatever you do i got to be able to shoot a bow <laughs> he goes what do you mean i said you understand it's part of my existence and <laughs> and am. honestly right. and and uh, he says okay well then i'm going to approach this differently he was a doctor for the cleveland indians he actually went through my belly to get to my spine to do the surgery so i'd have more flexibility after the surgery and all i did was care about being able to shoot and i go in and see him after rehab month or two and i'm like can i he's no jay not yet calm down and two <laughs> weeks later and finally i'm to the point i said what about now he goes well you can start i said well, well good because i kind of already have i know your your <laughs> wife busted you in the basement the other day because i got a range in a lower part of my house but um i i want to say this to you when you talk about the sport of archery or, or bow hunting um my wife, we had a couple couples over the holidays, um, and I sold part of OutTech years ago as an ESOP, long, long story, but um, a couple of the guys were there, and they're like, so Jay, you know, you're, you're 61 years old, or, you know, thinking about retiring now and slowing down a little bit, and, and I started to answer the question, and my wife just turns around, she goes, you know, cut the crap dude i mean come on you play with bows and arrows all day long you will till you're dead i mean it, it, it's just just don't say things that that aren't true because this is who you are i'm like yeah i guess so so yep. it, it's crazy and i've got grandkids that are into it now uh and uh, just loving life i mean i remember um i remember getting some type of a trade magazine way back and i knew Obviously, when I was at um, Matthews, you know, we started really small, and everything was COD over the phone. So, yep. if you can imagine, you know, all those, all the people that call you right now, and you're thinking like, "Leave me alone!" Like that was me trying to sell, you know, six hundred dollar bows COD to yep. a dealer. Yeah. Um, and I remember when I interviewed with Matt, he just said, you know, this is really hard. It's cold calls and no one really knows what a single cam is. And, and, you know, we, 
for financial reasons, everything's COD, you know, we're not offering terms. And, and, um, he said, what, you know, what makes, what makes you think you could do that? And I said, well, I mean, I sold thousand dollar knife sets door to door and he goes, and he goes, and he's like, what'd you sell? I go Cutco. And he goes, you sold Cutco. I go, yep. Still get checks for it. And he goes, dude, I bought a Cutco one time, didn't even want to buy it. And he's like, yep. he goes, You're hired. He goes, you can sell bows. <laughs> uh, um, that's so cool. Yeah, but it it yep. um it was so it was so different. And honestly, I remember seeing you with like a uh, I didn't cell even know, phone. Yeah. yeah, I didn't even did you have a cell phone or a cell Bluetooth? phone in my hand and 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 uh yeah. Yeah, that was embarrassing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but honestly, Back then, that was me. I had a headset on me nine hours a day. You know, I had a headset, a phone, uh, a note sheet yep. to where I could, you know. Trying to make a living at something you love, right? And, and yeah. Yeah. I remember dogging the Dart system. I don't know if you remember those. Oh, yeah. I worked for Jay Dart. Oh, uh, wow. You know, it, it, it's... Gosh, we, um, Fred Eichler was an installer. Now he's got a big time TV show, oh but Fred would come out and I install the that. cameras and the, the, the deals. And we project in the damn things half the time they didn't work or, you oh, know, yeah. the, the videos, but man, we sold dart systems all around the country back in the What areas days. did you have for um, dart? Did you oh, have we, we, we had basically half the United States, uh, the organization OutTech early on. Do you remember um, B&L Sporting Goods? Oh yeah. Yeah. Do you remember oh, Bob and Linda? Yeah, I do. I lived <laughs> half a mile from them. That's yeah, amazing. That was my yeah. When I lived in in Wisconsin, I lived a half a mile from Bob and Linda. And actually, what's crazy? The very first, if you Google like John Dudley Carter Evolution, sure. somewhere out there, there's a DVD which now I know is on YouTube of like how to shoot an elevate uh, ele, um, evolution release. Yeah. Yeah, that video is at Bob and Linda's. I, I filmed that That's on their crazy. outdoor range in their driveway and in the shop on a Sunday when they were closed That's at insane. like one in the morning. That's insane. Yeah, yeah, my my like one of my eyes is half shut. It's like one in the morning because I'm trying to have an indoor range to film while they weren't open. Yeah, that's that's crazy, man. I hey, uh, what do you think? So part of what. I love about you is that you've kind of been through, you know, been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. You know, you've, you could certainly say that about archery. What things that the industry has done, do you feel like, well, let's start with two. What's one thing that the industry's done that hurt it? Mm -hmm. And then let's end on what did the industry do? That's, that's helping it. If I'm really honest, and this might get me in trouble, but that's okay. I don't care. Um, the influx of outdoor money in people that really didn't have the passion, right? They yeah. were buying a company, right? And yeah. uh, whether it was an accessory brand, I mean, I worked with people like Andy Simo. Yeah. Andy yeah. Simo. I mean, Stuff. they didn't get any better than yeah. that, man. Yeah. I, I mean, I s sat with him early on in, in the days of ATA. Uh, you talk about an amazing man that had a passion. Archery gentleman. Um, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, just absolutely. And, and uh, you know, like Joe Johnson, those guys. We've lost some of that. And when big money comes in and buys a big brand and they're just looking at the spreadsheets, I think we lose a little bit of our DNA, you know? And mm -hmm. I'm just being honest. Um, I, but in many cases, they've done a lot of good things, right? It's, it's stemmed uh, innovation and in products and development and, Maybe we've gotten better, but I hope we don't lose that special secret sauce that really comes out of your heart. Yeah. I mean, it comes out of your, yeah. the center of your chest. I mean, um, as far as uh, a real positive thing, I would tell you that I sit today on the ATA board of directors. Yeah. Um, and I have when it was AMO years ago, yeah, and wow. okay. long, long time ago. And, and Jay, uh, Jay McInerney got yeah. me back involved uh, about 10 years ago. Um, and I, um, I feel like we need, and we're doing it right now, um, an organization for the bow hunters. You look at the NRA and the NRA has got guns, right? Mm -hmm. 
you look at the Turkey Federation, which I sit on the board of Turkey Federation. Yeah. The Turkey Federation has got turkeys, and the Elk Foundation have got elk. Who's got the bow hunters? Yeah. And and so the ATA now um, is United Bow Hunters. We're we're moving forward with a consumer organization for the bow hunters and um, to protect our rights to bow hunt. And yeah. and um, you know I think that's really important. Um, How many people that are on that are internationally seasoned? You know, it, it, it's because I feel like that's what it would miss it, because that yeah. it's, you know, with with me, Agreed. You know, I traveled so much internationally and my wife's from England and yep. there's a very different like I love bow hunting, but also some of my archery, yeah. some of my filters when it comes to bow hunting are there because of the fact that I also know there's people in other parts of the world's that world that love archery and they're accepting bow hunting, but they don't necessarily like it. You know, you I know? think it's archery. Or it's not even legal. It's, it's archery first. You know, it's funny because I've been introduced the last 23 years I've done a show called the Ewa show, which is equivalent to the shot show in Germany in, yeah, in yep. Nuremberg. And I've done it for 23 years and like a knucklehead from Ohio, I really got to learn <laughs> um, and meet a lot of friends and people that are so passionate about archery, but don't have the opportunity to bow hunt and, and, um, or have fought for bow hunting to be legal yeah. for our lifetime. Oh my and it's God. still not happening. Guys in France and in, in, yeah, some of these, it's, it's insane, but they're, we're all still kindred spirits at the end of yeah. the day we we enjoy you know bow hunting is one thing but it's the preparation right we shoot arrows all year round we really do and and uh, you know i got friends you know here, here we are you know in march and guys are getting their bows set up for next fall and they're trying to decide what they're going to shoot and what well, we are. And, yeah. You well, know what I mean? exactly. <laughs> well, I just got a new release. Finally yeah. got a back strap out of you for crying out loud, but Stole I, I yeah, I did. I actually did guys. So, you know, I, I took it right off his desk. Um, but I, so the passion is there. I, I think we need to band the archers under one roof. Um, and that can be done in many ways, whether it's uh, bow hunting or archery. But I think it's important that we come together, not just as splintered organizations, but as a as a common theme. Whether you're a feed archer or a 3D archer or an indoor spot shooter, or we're all the same. Yeah. Right? And sometimes we lose sight of that. And yeah. Anyways, I don't know. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, a divide in anything, um, you know, is like a splinter and it festers and it festers and it festers. Um, but it's hard because all those different organizations are also fighting to stay alive. Right. You yeah. know, it's like, yeah. you know, the IBO wants to be relevant. And I, you know, I remember back in the days when, you know, Wayne Pearson was, you know, oh I'd, be at, a, I'd be at an APA meeting where Wayne is trying to talk with Ken Watkins and, and it's yep. just like, there's very different directions because both both people are like fighting essentially for the same pie. We're, we're yeah, there there comes a point where we have to realize that no different than what's going on in the world right now. Um, Boy, isn't that the truth, man? You know, there we're, comes a we're point divided, where it's yeah, there there's scary. There's a very easy opportunity for people to just say, hey hunting isn't isn't fair yeah hunting's not fair and we're not going to do it yeah because in some countries that's all they did and it's done it's gone yep. it's done yep it you know and you know we're constantly telling ourselves well we're in america you know we have this you know we have the freedom of this, freedom of this, but there also comes a point where when certain rules start being applied in certain areas, then all of a sudden, you know, it's like, well, you can't say that this person can have this, but this yeah. this animal can't have that, and it and it becomes, you know, very, well, you know, when people are flying with a, a wild turkey on their lap on an airplane because it's their comfort animal. Yeah, I, I don't know, I mean... 
I don't know where this world's going, but, uh, you know, I cut my teeth in, in central Ohio, uh, born and raised in the country and, uh, red, white, and blue birdie yeah. through and through, yeah. you know, um, like I told you, I lost a nephew, uh, in Iraq and, um, you know, it's, it's insane. The people that have given their lives, uh, for our freedoms out yep. there. And I got to say something to you though, John, and hopefully I'm not overstepping my bounds, but the people that you've brought archery to, the love of archery, uh, yeah, they may end up bow hunting, but just the love of shooting arrows and, and uh, you know, Joe Rogan and just some, some MMA, some really influential people yeah. that now are passionate, uh, some your, your Navy SEAL buddies. I yeah. mean, they're flipped out over shooting arrows now, yep. right? And, and you've done that for us, for our sport and giving us more and more exposure. And I want to thank you, um, half the archery community for that really sincerely well it's no different than when my uncle showed me archery i think what i think what made me just want to do it is you get to see something fly through the air and you also aren't instantly awesome at it you just work you want to get like it's like you don't want you want to be good you want to be good you try it you try it and i feel like so many of the people that I've introduced to archery that are passionate and outspoken about it, deep down, they love the exact same things that you or I did when yeah. we decided we loved yeah. archery. Well, thank God, John, we had people that cared about us that introduced us to the sport. And, you know, I feel an obligation. I mean, I was 10 years old and my dad passed away of a disease called hemochromatosis. And my brother-in-law who basically became my father had an archery shop called the bass and bow and that man took me under his wing and i had an old bear grizzly recurve and i was up in potter county pennsylvania uh <laughs> on top of an old school bus uh in an orchard <laughs> shooting arrows at, at deer and they weren't i didn't by the way i didn't hurt any deer because but i, I covered the orchard with 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 arrows um <laughs> got down and cleaned them up and climbed back up again and um, the guys were laughing, but, uh, somebody has to, to, to introduce the sport to somebody, right? Yep. They got to share it. Yep. And I, I, it, man, if I could just ask all your listeners and people, just, just take one person, yep. one oh, person yeah. every year and just show them why you love it so much and why it's in your heart and soul. If you do that, we're going to be okay, man, where this will grow and, and, you know, um, our sport is, it's pretty special, man. It's an Olympic sport, yep. uh, as you know, and, and uh, man, it's crazy. It's a providing sport. I yeah. mean, if, if you're a hunter, um, you know, just, I, I had mule deer backstraps two nights ago um, and made a post about it. It's just, what was so cool for me is when I was cooking it, it's not that I was just cooking it and then thinking about, you know, hey, i just went through 20 bucks down to buy this. I was thinking exactly about, you know, just everything that went into that and how long, you know, my heart was beating and creeping up there. And I had, you know, my buddy Patrick behind me with the camera and so worried about busting that buck and, you know, the wind's blowing just right. And then just all those moments and, you know, I made a good shot and he went down right away and we were super pumped. And then I get a text from my buddy Wes that's saying, you know, we're on a buck right now. And, and I'm just like rooting for him to be able to have a shot. And I remember we were able to like double around and we ended up finding where he was at. And I was able to watch that shot that he made on that buck that put him down and you know watch through my binoculars and then at the end of the day him and I both had our deer and we're you know we're breaking these down with our buddies and you know cutting everything up and getting it wrapped and packed so we could you know fly home with it and I just remember thinking like god this is so cool to just be able to remember like not just not just like the what or the why, but you remember both. You remember what went into it. You remember where it came from. The rush that you experienced. Yeah, in, all in, of it. You know, it's like, I, I got to tell you, because I got a bad back. I was sitting in our hot tub um, 
uh, two weeks ago. My wife's like, what are you looking at? And I, I was actually watching you on a hunt with your buddy shot a nine eleven elk. Oh yeah. And, and yeah. It almost brought me to tears. Honest to God. It was, yeah. and I, I, you know, I'm an emotional guy to begin with, but man, it was just, it was just badass. I mean, and yeah. it, it, that doesn't get you pumped up. I don't know what will. And I, you know, well, Andy, Andy has that elk in his living room. It's like a European mount. And then, um, the next, the next day or the day after he ended up, uh, going with me and running camera. Cause my camera guy had to fly home. So Andy's like, I'll film you. And we went up and we ended up, I ended up shooting a bull. We got it all on film and everything. And I just told him, I said, dude, this bull has to stay with, with nine 11. Like the, you know, these two fought, yeah. they fought yeah. on the mountain. Like they have to stay together. So, you know, I gave Andy that whole thing. So like both of them are like kind that's, of, that's they're both like squaring off in his house, you know, to where one's on one end and one's on the other. And, you know, it's for me, yeah, I, you know, having a, a trophy, quote unquote, from the antlers is cool, but like that's just a memory. You, and you every, can't make that stuff yeah. up. I mean, I the other day I was looking at one of your footages where you shot a um, a black bear. I think you were in Canada, and you were playing around with a new Rage broadhead. And yep. I, I'm watching this, and all of a sudden you dump this bear at 50 yards, and I got to tell you. He didn't go 30 yards and piled up. Yeah. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So I'm texting Jimmy Smith, Nick French, John Saliga, all my boys. I'm texting the pick. Honestly, yeah. God, I just did that. And and I'm like, check this out, man. Look at this. This bear went right down. I mean, you know, you live those moments. And then it allows you to reflect on your own personal issues. I mean, I shot a nice brown bear uh, with a bow 15, 20 years ago in Alaska at, at 18 yards. And I still... I remember looking at my legs and they were just shaking uncontrollably. <laughs> I'm like, you know, he's 18 yards. And I'm like, I made the shot and the outfitter came back to me. He goes, well, did you hit him good? I said, well, I think I, he goes, you understand. You can tell me that if you shoot a whitetail, but you just shot an arrow at a thousand pound brown bear. Yeah. I need to know whether you hit it good because it's going to determine who's going to go first on the blood trail <laughs> or not. And anyways, I, he was, didn't go 70 yards and piled up, but I mean, those moments are just laser engraved into your, in your brain. Yeah. You know, yeah. you just don't forget those moments. I mean, it's what life's all about, what living's all about. So it's crazy. So true. Yeah. Well, that's a perfect way to end it, man. We've yeah, got to go do some shooting. We got lessons. Bless you. You're going to cook me dinner on your Traeger tonight, I hope, right? Oh, man. We've got a 10-pound. I'm excited. A 10-pound full slab of ribeyes. I'm going to dig in, man. <laughs> I did last roast. night. I did last night. This man's got that whole Traeger thing working big time. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, we got to do it. So, yeah. hey, everyone, well, thanks, thanks for man. listening. Jay, Altec has been awesome to the industry. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. And, um been a long time coming, man. Yeah. Twenty something, twenty five yeah. years, and we're finally yeah. working together, which is well, cool. God bless you guys, and and knock on rocks, man. It just rocks. So, anyways, means a lot coming care, from man. you. Appreciate it. Knock see on everybody. Bye bye. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock on lifestyle clothing. Knockonarchery.com. <laughs>